Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Strength and Recovery Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Rodenbush, sitting down today with Rahi Patel and Marguerite Warner. Um, they are our alumni program for Raritan Bay. I found a list of just common questions about mm-hmm. addiction, and I think this would be kind of fun to bounce off of you. Okay. Why can't drug addicts quit on their own? The first person that said this to me, you know, like they were like my God until I found God because self can't see self. It's impossible. Ah, that's it good. is impossible. And until another person who has experienced exactly what you were going through can look at you and, and be objective with you, they have the courage to be objective and mm-hmm. not concerned with your feelings, but more your life, you know, and they present it that way. It just blows your mind because you can't see it. Mm. I truly believed I was the least selfish person you'd ever want to meet. That if I had the opportunity to be friends with me, I would want to be. (laughs) I just thought, you know what I mean? I really, truly did. And, um, you know, when when I finally started going through the process and this shift started happening, I was like, oh, my God. You know, my ego will deceive me morning, noon, and night. Before my eyes are fully open, my ego is trying to deceive me. Mm -hmm. I can't see that. I believe it is fact. Yeah. Right? I believe what my ego says is fact. I need you to approach me. Yeah. And help me to see that. You can't. What do you think? There's, like, exactly what Marguerite said. There's power in, like, unity. Mm -hmm. You know, like, being a part of something is literally what it takes to be able to see different because you can't during that stage of you know active drug addiction or alcoholism and if we could have done it by ourselves we we would have yeah we would have because helps a hard word yeah <laughs> i think too so much about addiction is about isolation mm-hmm. and it does make you isolate mm-hmm. it becomes your one true love your best friend your biggest yeah. passion you know your worst enemy it becomes everything you need and so they op- don't need yeah. the opposite of that they will say often connection. is connection yeah and getting people connected to- Ima- yeah imagine going through that process where you totally cut yourself off emotionally maybe not physically you might have to present in front of people but emotionally you've cut yourself off from the entire planet and for the first time you sit down and you're talking with another human being that, and as they're speaking they st- are saying exactly how you feel, exactly how you think. They're sharing your fears, and you truly believed this entire time that you were the only person on the planet that felt that way. That's what begins to break you out of isolation, because you finally have somebody else alongside of you that feels exactly the way you do. And I could sit down next to Rahi, and he knows what I'm thinking and feeling without me even speaking. It's mm-hmm. mind-blowing. That's what people in recovery... That's well, how- I've been with you in a situation where... Um, you knew someone was drinking immediately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Someone uh, who was in recovery would relapse, mm-hmm. but you could pick up on that. And you mm-hmm. said, you know, it's, it's easy for me to pick up on that. Yeah. Yeah. We just know it. I mean, yeah. You, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But it's the a- beauty in that is coming from a person who you know genuinely cares about you and your well-being. It's not like a parent, a sibling, a spouse, you know. It's another person in recovery who knows how you feel. We've been there. We know how hard this is. 
talk to parents, okay? So the question would be, how do you explain this to the non-alcoholic, the non-addict, specifically your family? That's, That's the toughest part, you know, to try to break down, you know, the disease of alcoholism or addiction to a parent or someone who's unknowing, like... Thankfully, we do have resources where they do a good job at breaking it down. Like, you know, my parents didn't have the slightest idea, you know, being um, immigrants. They had not the slightest idea. But with the use of Naranon and Alanon, they kind of got it all together. Like, okay, wow. You know, addiction, alcoholism is a thing. But to, like, break it down to zone, it's, it's tough. But we do have a lot more resources than... Mm-hmm. in the past so it's heartbreaking for someone or a family to know what it actually is but it's understandable you know i i, I think i would take that down to how do you talk to a child mm. so he you know we're all at different stages we're all at different how do you have those conversations mm. I I think one of the one of the most heartbreaking experiences I had in early recovery is when um of course I had therapy as well. I went to therapy for quite a while. We also um got had my son in therapy and there are times when you get to do those sessions together and when he point blank said to me you chose alcohol over me. Uh, I, you that was probably one of the most crushing moments, you know. Um because immediately I wanted to say to him, no, I didn't. And I had to stop myself. Mm. I had to stop myself and I had to honor him and I had to acknowledge him. Um, you know, because, you know, stone cold sober, choosing to pick the first one up. But, you know, that is a conscious decision. But moving forward after that, it's no longer my choice. It You know, it, it dictates what I do, how I do it and when I do it. But how do you tell, you know, 10, 11, 12-year-old child that you are my parent, you are responsible mm. to show up and be in my life and not do these things, you know? Um, and to look at him and, you know, acknowledge that. And, and I had to say, yes, I did. I think another relationship, I guess we're kind of going this span, how do you talk to a potential partner, a girlfriend, a, a, you know, you're a single guy. How do you bring recovery into your dating life um so with that it's clear boundaries setting mm-hmm. clear boundaries you know like because you have certain things that you do for your recovery going to meetings yeah, no, I, sponsoring others maybe I, I i lay that all out on the table you know like what's funny is a past relationship this girl wanted to go wine tasting i'm like you know i got no business doing that she goes what do you mean i'm like I'm allergic to alcohol. Like, I have no problem setting those boundaries, especially to someone who's not knowing or not in the program, Mm -hmm. where they eventually do respect it. They might not get it, but they'll respect it. Mm -hmm. When do you say that in the process? Like, I'm up front. Yeah. Right away. Right away? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I'd rather tell you right away before there's any feelings developed, because if it's somebody isn't comfortable with it, they need the opportunity to honor their feelings, right? Yeah. I think it's good. Any other thoughts on that? Um, 
don't jump to date in the rooms. That's <laughs> kind of from my own experience, you know. Don't jump to get yourself in a relationship. <clears throat> Sorry, just to have um that companionship. Yeah. Like it. Once I truly learned to be happy with myself, that's when I was able to find that you know partnership with someone else. And they make the suggestion to date. Yeah. In the first year, right? I believe it. How important is that? Very, very. You know, I had to experience it myself to realize the chaos that comes from dating too early in recovery. This uh, one of these questions is: How can I tell if someone is struggling with addiction? I think for us it's different than for those that aren't afflicted with, you know, or not really afflicted with. For those that aren't addicts or alcoholics, for us it's really pretty easy. We know, you know, your behaviors change. You start to isolate, you know. With alcohol you tend to be able to smell it. With certain types of drugs you can tell it in, you know, pupil dilation or, you know, and I mean, for us we can see things that maybe the average person can't. What would you say? I mean, to a parent, I mean, you're you were able to go under the radar for quite some time. Mm-hmm. You know, people didn't know. What would you say to parents of teenagers? What would what would you be looking for if you had a teenager at this point? And what would you? Who their friends are and who they hang out with. Mm-hmm. Like take if the parent takes a little more interest in finding out where they're going and where they're at. Mm-hmm. then that kind of opens it up, especially if they're not sure if anything, mm-hmm. if there is a problem to begin with. How do you help someone struggling with addiction? That's like a tough one. Mm-hmm. In any way possible, you know. Oh, I like that. In In any way possible. But as long as they're willing to receive help, and even if they aren't, we're still here to show them that there is a way out. How does someone have that conversation? You think your husband, you think your spouse, you think your son, daughter is struggling. They haven't admitted it yet. How do you have that conversation? It's it's very difficult. Um, you know, I'm, I won't say that it isn't, but um, I would say be doing in a loving respectful way you know do it in a kind way with compassion um and just for me that what works for me is is if you just come out with it don't dance around it don't make an you know a a, a five minute question an hour you know an hour long conversation just like bring it to me and I'm, i don't mean being direct direct but it, be clear be honest. This is the person that you married and you plan on spending the rest of your life with. If you can't sit down with that person, you know, and just say, hey, you know, I'm really having a hard time. Make it about you, not necessarily them. Because for me, you know, as soon as you start pointing a finger at me, if I'm active in my addiction, the defense is going to go up, the walls are going to go up, I'm probably going to push the chair in and walk out and go do what I do. But like, if you come to me in a, um, in a you know, in, in an understanding to the best of your ability, even if you're faking it, um, compassionate, loving way and say, look, I'm really, I'm really struggling. I love you. And this is what I'm observing. And I, I, I'm here for you. And I want to help. How can we, how can we do this thing together? 
you know, I will be more willing. I mean, you're going to bring my walls down and I'm going to be more, more willing to, you know, want to accept your help. Mm -hmm. But if you're coming at me, you know, yeah, loaded for bear. Is that what they say? (laughs) Yeah. You know, I'm out the door. Any thoughts for you on that? I got to agree with that. Mm. If you come with the more supportive approach, Mm -hmm. like a softer way, but Mm -hmm. obviously, you know, be straightforward with it, Mm -hmm. then it's possible. But like I was reliving like a moment in my head, like a similar experience where the cat was out of the bag, but it wasn't. Can you share it with us? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Details. I mean, definitely. Um, I'm like, I need details. I, like, yeah, uh, I gotta. <laughs> since we're not being vague, and we're gonna come right at it. First IOP before before any inpatient or detoxes. That that was the first type of programming I did, and you know that was my parents' first. Um, realization into the problem where you know they were getting that resources from the therapist and meanwhile i'm pushing it off i'm like look i'm passing all the drug tests obviously Mm. borrowing urine but (laughs) so you know what i mean it's it's all case by case dependent but that's that's where i was at i was throwing the chair you know brushing so much work yeah it does does. (laughs) i listen to these stories and i'm like oh my word these poor people just need time to rest all the (laughs) And they're so creative, <laughs> brilliant minds to the be able most to. Very resourceful. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's an understatement of the year. Resourceful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, the cat's out of the bag. Yeah, but um, so obviously still hiding it, um, and not willing to admit that there is a problem because that that's also the tricky part too, like not realizing it's a problem case to case basis like for a teenager or someone who's just going into it they might not see the consequences yeah. as to it and it's too early on yeah and they don't see it's a problem yet because it hasn't been a problem in their life you know seeing experience from someone else or like a case study isn't enough until they start dealing with the issues mm. that's it's that's it's tough uh, what resources do you recommend for families um, to start to educate themselves or or a partner or, or you know how, what where do you point them i I'm honestly I really liked our family programming I really did you know like yeah. I, I heard a lot about it um, it wasn't until I was asked to speak for mm-hmm. a little 20 minute piece and I logged on early and I stayed a little later and I actually listened to the material and the present presenter and and the way they were breaking things down and truthfully for me it was helpful I, I mean I, I, the obvious ones to say are Al-Anon and Nar-Anon but um RCA as a whole we offer a, you know a mother support program now where they're you know they're educating, they're supporting, they're offering information and resources. But um, I believe it was Seeds to Recovery and the Family Program yeah. presentations. They were really helpful for me. I suggest them to people. Yeah. You know? I, I mean, and there's so much out there, there now is. with the there internet. Is. Yeah. But finding That's those support groups, yeah. finding like-minded people who are learning together. Mm-hmm. I think, again, addiction isolates um, I think there's so much stigma around it for yeah. a mom to say my kid is struggling yeah you know they're no longer it, it's one thing to post my kids on the dean's list it's another thing to post my kids in rehab you yeah. just i mean 
we don't do that. In, well, we isolate in a crowd of people, too. Like isolation isn't just in a room by yourself. And I would imagine the parents and the significant others of, of children, you know, suffering with addiction, that they're out there socializing with their friends at dinner and maybe even themselves and having a glass through. of wine. And they're dying inside, and yeah. they can't talk to anybody about that. I think there's some things, too, like, you know, you hear someone's kid had cancer. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be stopping off. You're dropping off casseroles. You're, and we hear, oh, their son has addiction, and all of a sudden, nobody knows what to say or do. Exactly. That's the thing. Nobody knows what to say. It's not ill intent. No, it's it's not ill intent. But like to say or how to, yeah. And so all of a sudden, even people who were your supporters, yeah, often don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And so finding new, you've got to find new yeah. groups. Yeah. Just like you've us. You've got to get yeah. out there. It's um, a family disease. They suffer with an illness as well because we, right. you know, all those years of living in fear and, you know, terrified that, you know, we're not going to come home at night. We're not going to wake up in the middle of the night. You know, all those things, you know, they, they need their support network. They need their growth. There are 12-step programs for the family, Yes, you know, where they go through the whole process as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so that they can detach themselves from the disease and just be the child's parent. Getting families on their yeah. own recovery journey. Yeah. Like, this isn't just... It's not. Your kid or your spouse's yeah. recovery. It's it's yeah. your recovery, too. They've been held hostage. Yeah, absolutely. Finding good therapists that mm-hmm. that yeah. can support the family. But mm-hmm. but the Internet's your friend. In this case, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Ask some other people, but yeah. get some get some recommendations. But finding webinars, finding support groups, mm-hmm. educating yourself, mm-hmm. and and kind of. In many of these circumstances, your power, your control is completely gone, mm-hmm. and so taking back some of that through education can be really. Uh, impactful yeah what other questions do you have for each other Mm. something fun what's your favorite color uh blue why because it looks nice (laughs) (laughs) that's such a guy answer (laughs) sorry rahi no details Okay, no, Marguerite, I guess you have to answer the question. What's my favorite color? Yeah. It depends on the day. Yeah. Nice. True, really. Like, you know, one day it'll be blue, and it's because I put it on and my eyes pop. You know, I'm a little vain when it comes to color. You know, and and other days it would be those crazy peach shoes. I was going to say, yesterday it was peach. I can tell you that. Marguerite had new shoes, and we all knew it. Yes. Yeah. Woo. They're super cute. (laughs) They arrived in the room before I did. Um, yeah, <laughs> no, it just makes me happy. Yeah, y- your face lit up. You were yeah. excited. That's like, what happens yeah. to me when I'm in a store and I see a color. It, it just does something inside of me, and it makes me happy. So, it you know oh. sometimes like the shoes might be per, you know lo- looked upon by someone else as boy they're gaudy, but it I don't care. I, I don't. I I have I to buy have them and I have question. to wear them. Yeah. 
What about replacing one addiction for another? Oh, I've done it. And oh, how I've does done that relate oh, to shopping? True. I've done it. I've done it with relationships. I've done it with spending money. I've definitely done it with shopping. And the the while you know how you know when you're doing it is like you're getting this rush when you're buying it. And I don't mean like that joy, like that, like oh the you know like the tickles of the pink the peach shoes, mm-hmm. but like you get this rush yeah. and you can't get enough in your cart and you can't get enough in your Amazon cart. And then it's there, and it's like, oh, yeah, this is cute. I haven't even worn it once yet, and I yep. could care less if I return it or not. Mm. There's a whole different feel to it. Have like you experienced when I, that? Yeah, oh, when sorry. you put it on, you're you're still not feeling that rush and the joy of buying it. It's gone. It's gone wow. the second you get it. Yeah. Um, two years ago, yeah, 100% shopping. Mm. The worst. By far the worst. Mm. And I, I'm more, you know, I could, I could see it now because I walk into a my bedroom and there's like a hundred boxes of shoes and some of them are both like shoes (laughs) i get disgusted looking at it now like i could have saved all that money instead of just swiping away on nike app on the iphone you know what i mean like i i it sickens me now and i wish i could go back in time and not buy some of them how did you get out of that how did you real did you just recognize it did you make it part of your practices Mm -hmm. so how do you incorporate that well that's what with he and i like the work that we do we're you know the 12-step practice is a heightened awareness of self Mm -hmm. that's what i'm seeking you know that's my goal i need this heightened awareness of self how it shows up how my disease shows up once you have that heightened awareness you might fall prey to it once or twice but by the time you're getting ready to do the third swipe, you're like, no, mm-hmm. wait a minute, I need to think this thing through. What are you doing? I mean, like, I could go on an app and buy a $500 belt, mm. right? And by the time that belt arrives, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, but what ends up happening is, like, as I'm per- when I'm surfing, I actually start to feel that awareness of, like, what are you doing? What void are you trying to fill right now? What's going on? That's we an have important to- question, yeah. There's right? this thing we call pause. Legit, I wear my pause button around my neck. We have this thing called pause, right? We need to pause. We're either agitated, doubtful, we're seeking, we're needing, there's something. Okay, slow down. Yeah. Pause a minute because I want to get that. Yeah, you need to pause and just step back. And, and so Marguerite just... is wearing a very simple, <laughs> beautiful gold chain with a little charm on it that's got the two lines. Yeah, it's my pause. It's Sometimes I just grab it and hold on to it just for no reason. I'll because just, you need to I consider need to, the decision? Sometimes I need it just to pause with... Most of the time I need it to pause with my thinking. Okay. Not necessarily a decision in that moment, but, you know, throughout the day, I'm forever, you know, I and fidget. thoughts can come through. I, I love this saying. I've heard it for a, a lot before. It's not mine, but, like, a bird can land on your head you can't you can't do anything if a bird lands on your head right but you can keep it from building a nest yeah Yeah. and so that pause goes wait a minute is this thought but we become conditioned to do that with everything so like there there's set things to be aware of right but until you do the work to have a heightened awareness you're not even aware it's going on Mm. i legit let my subconscious run my life for 40 years didn't know my subconscious was running my life because i wasn't aware of it i truly believed that the thoughts that i was having that generated the feelings that i was having which caused the behaviors that i was displaying were fact so and they thoughts, 
feeling thoughts lead to feelings, feelings and then the feeling would feelings lead to the action to and i really legit thought that that was that was it that was the real deal and so that was who pause I was. yeah makes you go and, and do you question no, not, do you go back to the thought do you go back to the no, feeling or to the it. behavior do you know what i do when i pause I ask God to remove it, to direct mm. my thinking, uh, show me how to be helpful to another human being because I'm caught up in myself again. And it's human instinct to be caught up in ourselves. You know, and I am a recovered woman, and being recovered, right, I no longer suffer the symptoms of the illness, right? That's the definition of being recovered. So the symptoms of my illness are to be so self-focused that I can't see you. And even while you're talking to me about something really significant in your life, and I'm staring you right in the eyeball, I'm not hearing a word you're saying. I need to pause and I need to, re, you know, reposition myself and hear you, right? And hear what's going on in my head. And I know today that I didn't have the power in the past to do anything about that. I lived as if that was who I was, right? Today I know that that's false. False evidence appearing real, right? There's the fear thing. But I know that uh, that evidence is false. And I have the opportunity right there in that moment to pause and say, wow, I'm feeling agitated i'm feeling fearful i'm feeling and so when you're examining those feelings mm-hmm. it takes a matter of a second now and what do you do in that moment i pause and i ask god to remove it and to direct my thinking see, because but I if you're seeing i'm feeling fearful yeah i'm, fe- I'm feeling fearful I'm afraid. do you ask yourself why that's my inventory process. A part of my 10-step process, 10 and 11-step process, which I'm going to keep taking it back to the steps because it showed me how to live. Yeah. I didn't know how to live. Yeah. Um, I was ill-equipped with that, you know, that ability. Mm-hmm. But what I do in that moment when I pause, you know, and, I, and, and immediately I ask, I'm like, I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling resentful. You know, please remove this. Please direct my thinking to your will, not my will, because apparently I'm involved in self again. That tug of war has begun, you know. Mm-hmm. And direct me and immediately look for something that I can, someone that I can help. But a part of that process, too, is I need to make a phone call or I need to go sit in an office of somebody else that's in 12-step recovery and say, hey, can I do a quick 10-step with you and talk to them about. And they're listening. Slow down. Okay. Great. Yeah. Tell us. You so want to like, talk about the steps? No, I, I want to. That's, 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 that's the difference. I think right? it's the Celsius <laughs> drink <laughs> that margarita It might be. Today. It might be, but yeah. when I, I get super passionate about 12-step recovery no, and I, I become a completely no. different so you go into someone's office and you say, I want to do a 10 step. What's that like? What's that like is, you know, if Rahi is somebody that I give spiritual consent to, which means that I know he works a solid mm-hmm. program of recovery, I respect that he is going to be open and be able to receive what I'm saying and give me constructive feedback and not try to be my employee or my friend or my coworker or like he's going to give me constructive feedback mm-hmm. and he's going to say what I'm hearing is... And I need you to say to me, what I'm hearing is you didn't get your way. So you're going to say, I have a resentment or I have. Sometimes what it sounds like is I am so pissed off. Do you know what happened to my group today? Yeah. Mm, Yeah. And he's going to have the ability to sit and just let me get it out. He's pausing now. Mm -hmm. And then he's going to say, can I offer this for your consideration? Okay. It's never like, this is what you are doing, mm-hmm. but can you consider this, you know, and then just say, this is what I'm hearing. And as he's saying what I'm hearing, that stuff melts out of my body. I can physically feel it leaving because he's spot on. I was afraid of someone, uh, someone's opinion of me. I was afraid my ego, you know, was, was getting in the way. My pride, like all these things were coming up that I couldn't see. In that moment, he's going to help me to see them and identify them. 
And and that's what the fellowship offers, right? That's what That's what I would say more. The fellowship, yes, does offer it, but that's what a sponsor and that's what somebody that has a solid uh, profound experience with the 12 steps of recovery because not everybody in your fellowship honestly not everybody sure. in the program has worked the steps have had that has had that experience and that's okay if, yeah. if they're staying sober that way more power to them but for me it's this is life or death and I have to do that how do you, you know? examine emotions as they come up feelings as they come up um I can't say it any better than Marguerite but you know, it's like character development for me. Like, I want to be a better version of myself the next day and be able to adequately handle similar situations mm-hmm. and scenarios in a more positive way. So, you know, I've heard her break this down 10 times better than me, but, you know, the character development and change really happened when I started actively working a step 11 every night, doing mm-hmm. that daily reprieve and seeing, you know, who I harmed. Do I owe anyone an apology? And, how I was in a certain situation and I could have been different. And so when I started doing that and then going over that with my sponsor once a week of difference, that's when that character development, you know, became a whole lot better that I no longer acted with, you know, anger or, you know, frustration and able to deal with situations as they come instead of just acting on impulse because I used to do that a whole lot. And you see that, like, you know, I'm big on character development. And you'll see, like, my time as opposed to, like, Marguerite's time where you can see how she breaks everything down. So yeah. it's just, it's it's great. And like how she said, like, there's been times where, you know, I've had to run something by her to get that, you know, advice on how to handle a situation or how to go about it yeah. as opposed to, you know, jumping on my own and, knowing I could have dug myself a nice hole. Yeah. And then go back and clean it off. (laughs) I don't like clean up. (laughs) This has been so good. Thank you both Mm -hmm. for your time. Um, This episode was a little different today, just answering some questions and talking, listening to us just have a, a fun conversation. So a needed conversation. So thank you for tuning in. Um, you or someone you know needs help, please reach out. 1-833-RCA-ALUM. Contact one of our coordinators. They really can be your recovery resource and link you to the support that you need to get help, to get help for our friends and family, or just to learn more about recovery. Thank you for listening to the Strength and Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please tap the subscribe button and leave us a review. We love hearing from our listeners and hope to reach more of you out there as we continue to share these incredible stories of recovery. The RCA alumni team aims to provide a safe, supportive environment for those in the recovery community, regardless of their affiliation with RCA. We host a full calendar of virtual and in-person meetings seven days a week, 365 days a year, as well as free sober events every month. To learn more about what we do, find us at rcaalumni.com. Remember, if you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, pick up the phone and dial 1-833-RCA-ALUM. Help is available 24-7. Listen to another episode now or join us next time for the Strength and Recovery podcast.